Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Genesis chapter number three, we'll begin reading in verse number one, and uh, I'll have you stand and honor and reverence the reading of the Word of God tonight. Now, let me let me begin uh, this evening with this story uh, when we as we're getting ready to read. Uh, I called my wife this afternoon um, before I left the church to see, you know, and I'm having a having a wife and, and one of our babies is sick at home. Uh, I called her and gave the typical husband call, you know, hey, I'm about to be on my way home. Do you need anything uh, before I come home? You know, can I get something for you? Can I help take care of you in some way? And, uh, you know, she said, no, I think we're fine. And, there, and thank you all for your prayers. It seems like they're getting on the mend. Uh, it was a, it was a, it was two different people that I saw when I left the house versus when I came back, and uh, and just by the, how they felt, they looked like two different people, and I praise the Lord for that. But my wife began to talk to me about my message, and I said, "Well, man, that's encouraging." She listened to me preach, Amen. And uh, that was one she hadn't ever heard before, Amen. So she listened that time, and, uh, and I'm just playing, Amen. But uh, she she started talking to me about my message, and she said, "I've got." I've got something that, uh, that I thought about while you were preaching. I was thinking, you know, it's going to be some wonderful thing. It's going to be, you know, it's about how much she appreciated this thought or that thought or how good of a job I did on this or that or the other. And you know how we husbands think, hey, man, always so optimistic. And uh, and uh, she said, she said, I, she said, I, I want you to know, and this is what she told me. She said, you made a mistake when you were preaching this morning. And I said, oh, no, what was that? She said, there wasn't any talking animals in Beauty and the Beast. Uh, she said it was all talking objects, not animals. You made that mistake, amen. And uh, I said, well, I guess if that's the worst I do in making mistakes when I preach, that's all right, amen. And uh, forgive me for missing my details on my Disney movies, amen. But uh, anyway, I thought that was funny. I thought y'all would enjoy that. By the way, on the call, I heard it. I heard them listening to that video on the phone, amen. And uh, so anyway, I, they're, they're loving is strong for all of those classics. Amen. Amen. Now that we're carnal, let's go to Genesis chapter 3 tonight. Amen. Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 1. Uh, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which, which is in the midst of the garden God hath said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman who whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did 
did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is it that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened on the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wives did the Lord, to his wife, excuse me, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. In verse 22, the Bible says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the uh, garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the, ma drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. You may be seated. Let's bow for a word of prayer together and we'll get into the message that the Lord would have for us this morning, or this evening rather. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come uh, before you one more time. Thank you, Lord, for Sunday evening service. Thank you, Lord God, that we're able to come in for another time today. Lord, we thank you for a wonderful Sunday school hour at 10 o'clock this morning. Thank you, dear God, for a great worship service this morning in the 11 o'clock hour. And Lord, thank you thus far for what you've done since 6 o'clock on these grounds. Lord, as we've come in, as we've heard testimonies of what you're doing through our missionaries around the world, God of souls being saved and lives being changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the songs that we've been able to sing. Thank you, Lord, for the sentiments of each and every one, the biblical nature and truth that is found in each and every one. Thank you, Lord, for what the youth choir sang just a few minutes ago. Lord, as we sung about the, uh, the day that is coming. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall say, see when I look upon his face the one that saved me by his grace. And Lord we're so thankful there's a day coming where we're going to be in your presence. Lord we enjoy your presence uh, in this world but there's coming a day where we're going to get to lay our eyes upon you. We'll get to be with you never to be parted again. And Lord what a wonderful day that's going to be. What a wonderful time that's going to be, uh, Lord, in an eternal realm, God, to be able to spend forever with our Lord and with our Savior. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what the quartet sang about how sweet are the promises. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the sweet promises of the Word of God and how the Word of God is that which we stand in need of, uh, Lord, in our lives and how you have made firm promises that will not change to us and that you're not going to go back on what you've said, Lord, you're going to keep, uh, Lord, until the end of everything. And Father, we're so thankful for the promises of the Word of God, especially that promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And thank you, Lord, that we're not uh, trying to be saved. We're not working to be saved. But those of us that called upon your name are saved, and your Word is that which promised it to us. Father, we pray for the next few moments that you'd help me as I try to preach. Father, I pray that you'd touch my body, touch my mind, touch my voice. Uh, Lord God, you know that you know how much I need you, Lord. Preaching cannot be done unless you touch me, unless you help me. And I pray, dear God, that you do that tonight. Help me, God, to say something to be of some help to this uh, congregation of people. Help me, Lord, I pray, to preach something that they stand in need of, uh, Lord, out of your book tonight. I pray that you would speak to hearts, save souls, change lives, do the work uh, in hearts that only 
you can do and may you feed the flock of God that is here tonight with the precious word of God and Father for everything you do I'll be careful to give you the praise the honor and the glory for it all in the name that is above every name in the name of Jesus Christ I pray amen and amen this morning we came here to Genesis chapter number 3 and like I mentioned this morning it wasn't where I planned to be I was planning on being in a chapter 3 but it was Philippians chapter 3 and not Genesis chapter 3 but the Lord directed our thoughts in this direction this morning and I felt like it would only be fitting for us to finish uh, some of the comments that we were making out of this chapter uh, with the help of the Lord tonight and I mentioned this morning I don't I didn't have a title because I wasn't planning on preaching it uh, but I think we, by the end of the day we came up with I love my Bible and the devil does it amen and that's what we see this passage we find uh, a, a devil that hates the Word of God and is attacking uh, the Word of God. We saw the context in here in this passage about how God had created the world and then uh, in that first creative week on the sixth day created man and then brought uh, uh, his wife to him. Adam uh, now has a wife, now has a companion and the two of them are fulfilling the the purpose of God for their existence until the moment that we come to Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 1 there when we are introduced to a serpent who is coming in subtly and he is seeking to uh, wreck what God had done in their life and is uh, doing in their life to remove them from the fellowship that they were enjoying with the Lord. So we see the context, we saw the clarity, we see who this serpent is the Bible clearly tells us in Revelation 12, 9, in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 2, that the old serpent is none other than the devil, none other than Satan. And we see that clarification in the Word of God. So as we see what this serpent does, we see, and we see in the very first moment how the devil deals with mankind. What the devil's plan is for mankind. So we've seen the context, we've seen the clarity, and now we see the content. Uh, we saw the content concerning the creature, uh, how this serpent uh, is one that uh, is described by that word serpent uh, as one that hisses, one that is a hissing one, if you will. And realize that's the sound that they make uh, but that is the, what is implied by this word serpent uh, in the Hebrew language it is one uh, that gives a sound of disapproval that hissing is a sound of disapproval when a snake hisses at you it means you're not happy uh, with you being there or with what you're doing and the devil sure disapproves of anyone that is that knows the Lord and is trying to do what God would have for them to do. Adam and Eve had been created by God. They knew God in intimate fellowship. Uh, they walked with Him and lived with Him in the perfection of the garden. <coughs> Excuse me. And they were doing exactly what God had commissioned them to do. And so the devil disapproves of that. Hissing is associated with something that is dangerous and with an attitude that is hateful. The devil definitely is someone that is dangerous dangerous to our existence. Amen. And uh, he is, uh, his attitude is one of hate toward our life. Amen. The devil does not care for any of us, especially those of us who know and love the Lord and who want to serve him. In these verses, Adam and Eve are doing what God created them to do. They had a perfect marriage. They were in a perfect home environment. They had perfect harmony. They were serving God perfectly and fully and in every single way that they could have and here comes the devil and he hates that in their life. Now I will say this, none of us have ever been in that condition that Adam and Eve were in. None of us have ever had a perfect family. Ladies can I get an amen there? Amen. None of us have ever had a perfect spouse. We've never done a perfect service for the Lord. We've never 
Him fully and perfectly as we uh, as we uh, we we cannot uh, be perfect and have perfection uh, while we are in these bodies of flesh with a fallen nature. However, uh, the devil does not like even a semblance of trying to have uh, a godly marriage. He does not like a semblance of trying to have a godly home. He does not like the semblance of trying to live a godly life in full uh, obe obedience to the Lord. He hates that. And we see that he uh, has a purpose in mind. He uh, comes in verse number one. He comes subtly. He comes craftily. He comes deceitfully. And internally he is hissing at them because of what he hates in them. But on the surface he's cool, calm, and collected because he has an evil purpose that he wants to uh, work in their life. The devil does not come uh, into our life and show his full hand. He does not come into our life and shows us really who he is. He has a facade. He lets people think that going his way is a good way, is a, is a right way, is a fun way, is a comforting way. But he, as one, as one preacher said when preaching against the evils of alcohol, he said, but they don't let you see the other side of the beer. The devil doesn't let you see the other side of the billboard. He doesn't let you see uh, the other side of Skid Row. He doesn't let you see a life in shambles and a home that'll never be the same and children that'll never uh, be back to where they used to be. Amen. And they've lost it all because they listened to his subtle voice and they gave way to his subtle prodding. Here we find him not showing who he really is. He hates them, but he comes to Eve and he tries to act as if he is her friend. When he says, yea, hath God said... In other words, the devil is coming to her saying, I can help you with this. Notice that Eve does not even indicate that there is a problem. She is just doing what God said to do, and the devil comes to her who didn't know she had a problem and is trying to fix her problem and let her know we are in this thing together. That's what the devil wants for us. The devil wants for us to think that he has our best interest in mind, that he is our friend and that we can trust him. Here in this passage, though, we see that he cannot be trusted. We see here that when he comes to them, he wants them to accept him. The hissing of a serpent naturally would cause one to stay away. That's why the devil doesn't show his true nature. That's why he comes subtly and calmly and as a friend because he's not interested in them pushing away away from him and fleeing from him and drawing back from him that he wants to be received into their life because as I've stated he has a goal for their existence. This is how Satan infiltrates the life of every person. This is how he inf infiltrated the life of Adam and Eve, those that knew the Lord and were doing what they could to serve him. Uh, he is coming to them with subtlety, with slyness, with cunning craftiness. He comes to them prudently, knowing the end result that he has in mind, knowing the goal that he has in mind, that his goal is to absolutely wreck their life, to destroy their fellowship with God, to cause devastation uh, in their life. And every day after that, the devil, when he comes to Adam and Eve, just like he does when he comes into our life, he is not playing checkers. He is not playing hopscotch. He's not playing a game for children. He's playing a game of chess where every move causes a piece to be knocked out. It is a game of great wits and if you try to add your intellect up against the devil's freedom, you will lose every pawn in life that you have. Amen. He is cunning. He is sly and he is not to be underestimated. However, let me say this though. 
We do not have to be afraid of the, of the devil's attacks in our life. God has given us, amen, the Spirit of God within. God has given us His Word, amen, by which we uh, can uh, we, we can uh, we can defend ourselves against every fiery dart of the wicked one. Ephesians chapter 6 says, I'm thankful for the shield of faith. I'm thankful for the Word of God. That is the sword of the Spirit. It is our offensive weapon against the devil. Amen. And with faith and the Word of God, it doesn't matter what the devil throws our way. We have great protection in what God has provided for us. Amen. So here we see the devil's intention. That what Jesus said in John 10, 10 is correct. That the devil, the thief, that is the devil cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Amen. So we see the content about the creature. But then we see the content about the conversation. We saw this morning that it is the devil who speaks first. Amen. And as we ended the message this morning, we understand that the Bible before verse number one is over, Eve was not looking to have a conversation with the devil. She was not looking for more information. She was minding her own business, serving God the best she knew how, doing what she was supposed to be doing, no doubt. We don't have any other reason in the Scripture to not believe that. And when he comes to her, he comes to her and he speaks first. And that lets us know that the devil is in pursuit of our life. Amen. That he will speak first when he speaks in your life. Go with me real quickly to Matthew chapter number 4 tonight. Matthew chapter number 4. <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 4. <clears throat> Look at verse number one with me. Most of you already know where we are in this passage. In Genesis chapter number three, we find the devil approaching Adam and Eve. In Matthew chapter number four, we find the devil approaching none other than Jesus Christ. Verse number one of Matthew chapter four said, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, this isn't part of the message, but let me say this. I think it is very interesting when we read Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 1 that it is the Spirit that is leading Jesus into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by the devil. You say, Preacher, why would the Spirit of God leave God? Why would God the Spirit lead God the Son into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil? I believe it's so every one of you, every one of you, and, every, and, my, and my, me and my family as well, we would have an example of how we are to fend off uh, the attacks of the devil. We have, uh, an, we have an example, a perfect example, and none other than the great example of the Christian, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose steps Peter said, we are to follow, amen. He is our great example of how to live the Christian life and how to serve God. And here we find him telling us how to act when the devil comes our way. The Bible said, verse 2, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward, afterward and hungered. Let me say this before we continue reading. When the devil comes, he'll come in a moment of weakness in your life. I mentioned that this morning. Here we find it in this passage. Jesus was weak in flesh. Let me remind you that Jesus in this world was not like as the Gnostics taught many years ago that he was simply a phantom or a spirit. Jesus was 100% man and he was also 100% God. He was God manifest in the flesh. He did have a human body body. And in having a human body, he got hungry just like you and I do. He got weary just like you and I do. If you don't believe me, go read John chapter number four, where the Bible said Jesus being wearied from his journey. He gets hungry here in Matthew four. He got tired and weary uh, in uh, John chapter number four. Jesus in this uh, physical body is in a moment of weakness. He was hungry after a fasting uh, period of 40 days and 49 you can only imagine how physically exhausted, even especially in a wilderness, his body would be. In Genesis chapter number 3, the devil comes to Eve also in a moment of weakness. You say, preacher, how do you, how do you figure she's in a moment of weakness? She is alone. Adam is not there when she's being tempted. 
The Bible clearly says that the wife is the weaker vessel. The Bible says it is God's will for a man to be a spiritual leader in his household. I believe every husband is to be the pastor of their own household and shepherd their family in a spiritual direction uh, in the way that God would have for their uh, family to go. It's the husband's job to tell the family where they're going to church. Amen. And when they're going to church, it's the husband's job to make sure amen that people in the household are, are reading the word of God. God and hearing the gospel and being under uh, the under the ministry of the things of God. Amen. My children don't get an option uh, to come to church. The reason they're not here tonight is because you don't want them here. We had one, amen, that was sick, and we've had others that would not leave the one that was sick alone. Amen. Amen. But I've never once looked at my children and said, do you want to go to church today? Amen. I'll be honest with you. I don't even look at my wife and say, do you want to go to church today? Amen. She does and get the option of whether she's going to church. Why? She lives in my household. I'm leading our family toward the house of God and the things of God. Amen. I'm thankful I have a wife. I've never had to do that. I've got children that at least for now love being in the house of God and can't wait to be here. Now it may not always be that way but as they get older and if it ever becomes that way, guess what? They still won't get an option until they leave my house. Amen. Here we find that, the, that, that Adam, what's not there, creating a moment of weakness. By the way, gentlemen, let me just say this as well. I believe it is very important for us to be there for our wives, for them to be able to have that open line of communication, for them to be able to share what's going on. And I understand we've got to work our jobs, and we've got, uh, we've got to, amen, make a living. We've got to take care of the finances at home and many other areas of the life at home. But for if we let the guard down in our home spiritually, do not be surprised if the devil's been talking to your bride when you're not around. Amen goes right there. Comes The devil comes in a moment of weakness. Matthew 4 verse 3, the Bible said, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said... It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Do you notice here who it was that began the conversation in verse number three? Amen. God sent the devil into, or sent Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. But it wasn't Jesus that sought out the conversation. The devil begins the conversation, and he will do that in our life as well. He will pursue us. He is active in pursuing us. Amen. Most people believe the lies of the devil and it's because amen, he has pursued them and he is trying to convince them that his way is the right way. First Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 8 says be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion notice this now, walketh about. What is he walking about for seeking whom he may devour. Go with me real quick to Job chapter number one. <clears throat> Job chapter number one. If you have a, if you're doing a chronological Bible reading plan, chances are you have, you've come through the, the account of Mr. Job's life in recent weeks. Job chapter number one. In verse number 6, the Bible says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Verse number 7, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord, Notice, this is, by the way, this is all the way back in the book of Job. Chronologically speaking, Job is the oldest book in your Bible. It is the oldest date of a book in your Bible. The farthest back on the world's timeline is the book of Job. In other words, all the way back at the beginning, 
we find what the devil does. The Bible said that Satan answered the Lord when he said, Whence comest thou? In other words, when you come before me, where are you coming from? He said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And in verse number 8, the Lord says unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Considered him for what? Considered him for what Peter had to say that the devil walks to and fro in the earth doing. That, the, that he walks about doing, as Peter said. Peter said that he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. All the way in the beginning of our Bible's chronology, we find the devil that walks to and fro in the earth, and he is on the hunt for someone to devour. Now, I do think it's interesting. God said, Hast thou considered my servant Job? And that's another message for another day. Job chapter number 2 and verse number 1 is the same way. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present uh, himself before the Lord. And, say, and the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. I believe the reason why that God offered up Job is because if the devil was so, if the devil uh, sent his, uh, put his energy on Job, it would keep him off of somebody else who may not have been uh, as spiritually able to handle the destruction uh, that Job uh, was dealing with. I don't know about you, but I feel like Job handled that trial probably better than I would, probably better than many of us in this building did. And God knew what kind of a faithful servant. Uh, servant that Job was. And so God put the devil, uh, seek the devil, if you will, on Job because he said, I know what kind of faithful man Job is. And he did not want the devil on somebody else. I'm telling you, there have been many uh, that have been casualties, amen, because they did not have a faith walk like Job, because they did not have, uh, amen, a walk with God like they should have. They were only, a, uh, they were only an inch or two deep spiritually with their roots into the things of God. And when the devil came to devour them, it was very easy for them to rip them away from the things of God. Now, I'm thankful if you're saved by the grace of God, you'll never be ripped away from your salvation. Amen. But there's been a whole lot of casualties that the devil's come their way. And he has came to them. He's came to them seeking to devour them. And he got his teeth into them. And they, they, it blew them out of church. It blew them out of Bible reading. Blew them out of their faithfulness for, before the Lord. And their fellowship before the Lord. And I will tell y'all this. And y'all listen, listen to your pastor this evening. Amen. I'm telling you, it is really easy and very quick to slip away. But it takes a whole lot longer to get back to where you were if you never would have lost ground. Here we find a devil wanting to devour them. That is the context here. We see that the devil, when he comes, he speaks first. It shows his pursuit of them. Number two, we see when he speaks to them, we see that the devil already knows God's words. I mentioned this in the, uh, to the men yesterday morning as well. But look with me at Genesis chapter number three again. In verse number one, the Bible says here, middle way through the verse, and he said unto the woman, this is the devil, say it unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Notice the devil did not ask her what God said. He said, God, he said did God say this? He quoted God's words back toward Eve. And is casting doubt, not asking what God said, but casting doubt upon what God said. You see, the devil does not have a problem understanding what is in this book. The devil does not have a problem understanding what God has declared. He just doesn't want you to believe what God has declared. He says, yea, hath God said. In other words, did God really say what you think he said? And it caused Eve to sit there and in her mind say, well, what now? Now, what, what did God say again? 
Remember, here in this passage, look with me at Genesis chapter number 2 real quickly. Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 15. Notice where God gave this word. The Bible said in verse 15, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded, what's those next two words? The man. Y'all stay with me tonight. I know this is a familiar passage, but I'm hoping to show you something tonight that will change your life. Look here at verse 16. And the Lord God commanded, what's the next two words? The man. Did it say that he commanded the woman? No. The Bible said he commanded the, commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. So in other words, what does that mean, church? You can eat of all of these trees that are in the garden. He said in verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. The devil is coming to Eve. And in coming to Eve, he is coming to one who did not hear the word of God directly, but was told what God said from her husband. And he is using that against her. I can just in my mind, again, I don't know how your mind works when you read the Bible, but I can see in my mind the, the devil coming to her and saying, Yea, hath God said, and then he quotes God's words to her. And in that moment of questioning, this woman as the weaker vessel with her, with the spiritual leader absent who had heard the word from God not around, she begins when the question is presented and she's put on the spot. She begins to rack her brain. Now, what did Adam say that God said? And she goes through her mind trying to recall what God said. Do you, you know how you and I are when we're put on the spot and we're asked to remember something? We, we're, we're going through every scenario. We're trying to remember every detail. And here we find Eve when she responds. The Bible says her response is this in verse number 2. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now is that what God said in chapter 2, verse 15? The Bible said that God said, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. And that was the end of the story. What did Eve do? In a moment of being put on the spot, in a moment of second guessing God's word in her mind, because that is the that that is the little seed that the devil put in her mind. He encouraged her to question, and in questioning, she added to the word of God. I'm not trying to make any enemies tonight, but I will say this. I believe personally that is one of the very reasons why God does in, in the book of uh, in 1 Timothy does not let women preach. Because the very first time they handle the Word of God, they added to it. You'll be hard pressed to find a woman preacher that will not add to the Word of God. You do know she can't preach all of it, because I've never seen any, I've never seen Joyce Meyer. I've never seen um, uh, uh, Paula White. I've never seen, I'm trying to think of the, the one that's popular with all the Southern Baptists. Uh, amen. Uh, whatever her name is. Amen. The one that had Beth Moore. Amen. I've never seen Pris uh, Priscilla Shire. I've never seen in any, of the, any of the women preachers. Uh, I've never seen any of them preach out of 1 Timothy chapter number 2. Have you? They can't because it says that they're not, they, they are not to usurp authority over a man. The Bible clearly says that he does not give them the liberty to teach a man. They're not supposed to be doing what we're doing. I believe there's a precedent for that. Amen. Because it was very easy for the, for, uh, for, uh, the very figurehead of the, of the uh, female gender to be persuaded. And here we find her adding to the Word of God. And so here we find that she adds to the Word of God in a moment of intimidation. I don't know about you, but it's a whole lot easier for my wife to become intimidated than it is me. 
I can't tell you how many times we've been out somewhere and it's been in kind of an uncomfortable environment and the first thing she'll do is grab my arm and begin to step behind me. It's easier for her to be more intimidated than it is me. By the way, it's easier for your babies to be more intimidated than it is you. And the devil loves, as a serpent loves, to be intimidating. He comes to her. He causes her to doubt. She's more susceptible to believe. She's more susceptible to doubt than the man who is supposed to be hearing from God. Can I say this, men? Adam heard the word of God. You're supposed to be hearing from God. You're supposed to be leading your family with a word from God. You're supposed to be leading your family with a word from God every day. What word has God given you this week? Here we find her in this passage of Scripture coming to a place where uh, she is being tempted uh, to doubt what God said. Satan knew, and he takes advantage of that. Here we find uh, we find that uh, there is great doubt taking place here. Satan is, Satan is attempting uh, to get Eve to second guess not only the Word of God, but also since Adam was the one that shared God's Word with her, she is trying to get the devil is trying to get Eve to second guess the spiritual leadership that God had given her in her life. Amen. Ladies, can I preach to y'all for just a moment? I don't do that very much. I love all you ladies, and I want you to be happy with me. Amen. I, I, I want my wife to be happy too. I don't preach to y'all very much. Amen. But can I, can I say this this evening? God has given you a spiritual head of your home for a reason. The moment you begin, if you've got a now, I'm not talking about if you've got a husband that never opens his Bible and doesn't care about the things of God and he's not going to come to church with you and he's not going to live a life for God. I'm talking about if you have a husband that loves God and is serving the Lord and is reading his Bible and trying to be faithful to church to where through his Bible reading, through prayer and through church, he's getting a word from God. Can I just encourage you with this, that the very moment that you're tempted to ignore ignore the voice of your husband in your life that's living for the Lord and his spiritual direction of your home. That is the devil whispering subtly in your ear trying to cause you to doubt the spiritual authority in your life. I would say to our church this evening when someone stands up, I believe myself included if not especially when we preach the word of God in this pulpit and tell you what thus saith the Lord. You can accuse me of a lot of things but you're not going to accuse me very much of not believing the book and preaching the book and trying to go just line by line what God said. I'm not a man of very much opinion. I'm not a man of very much stories. I don't have very many jokes to tell. I'm not going to be the most colorful commentator that you'll have, but I'm telling you I believe the book of God and I try to tell you what these words say and what God is saying in the word of God and when the word of God's being preached, God has given us spiritual leadership for a reason and the only person that will cause you uh, to have a negative view toward those that are preaching the word of God to you is the devil himself. He wants to cause you to doubt the word of God. He wants to cause you to be distant from spiritual authorities. The devil is not bothered by the Bible being quoted. He's not bothered by the Bible being used as long as it is being quoted or used incorrectly or inefficiently. You know what doesn't scare the devil in your life? The Bible on the shelf does not, on your shelf does not scare him. I would even say this. You say, preacher, why is church so important? I believe church is important because when we come to church, whether it be through Sunday school or whether it be through Bible preaching, you're being taught how to handle the Word of God, how to study the Word of God, how to read it for yourself. You say, preacher, you know, we, we think, you say, how, how does preaching teach us to study the Word of God? Because you are being fed from my study of the Word of God. When I tell you about this, this word, or I tell you about this phrase, or we go to another passage, and that's a cross-reference to this, you are being taught in a practical way how to study the Bible for yourself. Hey. 
Amen. Church equips us to be effective in our relationship with the Bible. Sunday school is important because it equips us to be effective in our study of the Word of God. To understand how God gave us the Bible and how it's put together and how we are to read it and understand it if we're to read it and understand it. The devil's not worried even when you read the Bible as long as you're not getting anything out of it. If you hurry through it just to check it off the calendar for the day, you have not done anything that causes the devil to be nervous. Because a Bible study like that is ineffective. If you don't know how to if you don't know how to handle this book, it's ineffective in your life. If you don't try to read it and learn from it, the devil's not bothered by the fact that you have it. The devil is not worried by is not not bothered by the fact that we have multiple copies. I know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of folks that are of charismatic denominations that think, well, if the devil begins to bother me, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put uh, scriptures around the room, or I'm just gonna carry my my Bible in my car with me. That doesn't bother the devil. Just the fact that you got a Bible in your car or in your house. Amen. The devil is concerned with how much of it is in your heart and how much of it you're living and letting, or that, or that, uh, how much of it are you letting uh, defend against him when he comes to attack your life. But with Jesus in Matthew 4, he understood the Word of God, he had the Word of God, and he wielded it effectively. And that is what caused the devil to flee from him. The devil here is not bothered by the word if it, as it is being quoted and as it is being used, as long as it's being quoted or used incorrectly or inefficiently. Even her response adds to the word of God. The devil does not mind the Bible as long as it has errors in it. I don't have time to preach this tonight. I intended to preach more of it. But there is a reason, and I know I hit on some of this this morning, there is a reason why we stand on the King James Version of the Bible. Now let me say this, I read some of it even today looking over some things for tonight and making sure all my comments that I would make are correct. Here is the Bible version issue. When you ask, well, why is it that the King James has certain verses and other versions do not? The ones that attack the King James, we say these verses are removed. Their counter is those verses have been added. We say that it was removed purposely to, and I believe, and this is the case, we believe as a church this is the case, things were removed on purpose because on the modern versions of the Bible, and I believe it's clear, you see the fingerprints of Satan. You see him doing exactly what he's doing here on those modern versions of the Bible where they have literally taken a pen knife and carved out copies of the Word of God, thousands of words and verses that are absolutely vital. Here's the way they counter though. They say that human scribes in, in, in religious over, uh, being religiously overzealous added to the Word of God. But in the same breath they say that the King James translators added to the Word of God while at the same time they will tell you that it's still okay for you to keep that particular copy of the Word of God. I believe Genesis 3 is proof that God is not happy when people add to His Word. Amen. He doesn't want us taken away from the Word of God, but He definitely also, according to this, ver this verse in Genesis 3, does not want us adding to the Word of God. God said what He said. God meant what He said when He said what He did. And as my pastor used to always say, God does not want us monkeying around with the Word of God. Amen. Matthew chapter number 9 and verse number 13 says, Jesus said this, For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
The NIV says, For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The New American Standard says, by the way, that's Charles Stanley's Bible. That's John MacArthur's Bible. It's this one. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The New World Translation, which is the translation for the Jehovah's Witnesses, an unchristian, unbiblical cult, says this. For I came to call not righteous people, but sinners. Do you see what they left out? The King James says, For I am not come to call the righteous. Jesus said, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They left repentance out of salvation. And I'll say this, the NIV, the New American Standard, and the New World Translation of Jehovah's Witnesses, they all agree down to the Word. Can I say this? That, and by the way, that's not the only time. I could read dozens and dozens and dozens of examples to you where the NIV looks just like a New World Jehovah's Witness translation, where a New American Standard looks just like a Jehovah's Witness translation, where an English Standard Version looks just like a Jehovah's Witness translation. I don't know about you, but I'm a Baptist, and I'm a Bible believer. I'm not a Jehovah's Witness, and I don't want a Jehovah's Witness Bible. Amen. Matthew 25, 13, the King James says, You know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. The NIV says, You do not know the day or the hour. The New American Standard says, You do not know the day nor the hour. The New World Translation says, You know neither the day nor the hour. You know what's left out? Wherein the Son of Man cometh. Their Bibles rob us of our soon coming King. The Bible says this. To me, this is enough proof for anybody to not want to use a modern version of the Bible. By the way, this is the, the way I'm about to read this is the only English translation that reads it this way. The Bible in Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 33. Luke chapter 2 verse 33 is talking about, is talking about Jesus and it's talking about, uh, it's, it, the, the Bible said, talks about them. Um, well, where was I? Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 23, the Bible says, let, let's turn there. I want you to look at it. Let's turn there. I'm looking at my list, and I only have a portion of the verse. That ain't good for you. Let's look at the whole verse. Amen. Luke chapter number 2, verse number 33. The Bible says here, this is when, when uh, the, the Mary and Joseph are uh, bringing Jesus to the temple to be dedicated and to have done to him after the custom of the law. And the Bible says that, they, that uh, Simeon pronounces a prophecy on them, verse, uh, verse number 28 uh, through verse number 32. And look at verse 33. The Bible says, And Joseph and his mother, speaking about Jesus' mother, marveled at those things which were spoken of him. The prophecy that Simeon gave concerning the Son of God. The King James says, and Joseph and his mother. The NIV says, and the child's father and mother. The New American Standard says, and, and, and again, I know I'm beating a dead horse. That New American Standard, that's Charles Stanley's Bible. That's John MacArthur's Bible. That's what they preach out of. That's what they say is the most accurate. Well, that New American Standard, they'll tell you, is the most accurate translation. By the way, there's one word for that, and that's the word baloney. <laughs> Those are two of the most popular preachers of our generation. They're on your TV, they're on your computer, and people love them. And here's what their Bible says uh, concerning uh, Joseph and Mary. New American Standard said his father and mother. The new, the, the new World Translation says this, its father and mother. There's one problem. Outside of the its, there's one problem with that. Joseph was not Jesus' father. It robs Christ of his divinity. Joseph was not his father. He did not have Joseph's blood in his veins. When Jesus shed his blood on the cross, the blood in his veins was the blood of the God of this world. Amen. That's who his father was. The King James Version is the only translation in English that says Joseph and his mother. You know what that means? Our Bible got it right, and MacArthur's didn't. Stanley's didn't. Amen. You cannot...
trust a Bible that is adding to and taking away from by the way it's more than these and thou's that, jo that word Joseph you may say oh well that doesn't really matter it could just be talking about his earthly father that's not what he said said the child's father you put that in the hand of a new believer they will come to understand that Joseph was Jesus' father no wonder it says the same in the new world translation because they do not believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God they reject that doctrine they put it in their bible and two of the most popular English versions on the market that are being promoted by the droves share the same anti-divine uh, false doctrine in the Amen. The devil wants to add uh, to the Word of God and take away from the Word of God. Look at Luke chapter number 4, verse number 8. This thought that the Lord gave us spontaneously this morning has gotten bigger and bigger. Amen. Ch Luke chapter number 4, verse number 8. Luke chapter 4, verse number 8. This here is, a, is another account of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness by the devil. The Bible said, After the devil, verse 7, said, If thou wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Jesus here in this verse looks at the devil and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. You know what the NIV says there in Luke chapter 4, verse 8? Absolutely nothing. It's not in their Bible. You know what the New American Standard says? Absolutely nothing. They carved it out. It's not in there. When you turn the page in an NIV or a New American Standard, by the way, it's also out of the Jehovah's Witness Bible too. I'm telling you, the modern versions of the Bible and the, and the, and the so-called scriptures of the cult down the road, the Jehovah's Witnesses, their, their, their Bible versions are kissing cousins. I don't want a Jehovah's Witness Bible, do you? Can I say this? Jesus looked at the devil and said, get thee behind me. And isn't it interesting that they just so happened to leave that verse out where Jesus is rebuking the devil? I wonder if that could be because the devil doesn't like being rebuked. And so in his Bibles, he's not putting it in there. I don't want a Bible that's got holes in it. Amen. I, you, could go, you could go on and on and on. You, you, go, you could go to Acts chapter number 8, the, one of the clearest verses of Scripture where, the, where Jesus said, or excuse me, where it was asked, what shall I do to be, uh, not what shall I do to be saved, but what doth hinder me to be baptized? The response to that and, and, uh, was, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God in all of those versions. That, that verse is omitted. That teaches a, a, a believer's baptism. It's not even in there. When you think about verses uh, like 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 16 where the King James says God was manifest in the flesh, all of the modern versions says He was revealed. He was manifest in a body. He appeared in the flesh. He appeared in a body. They will not declare who was manifest in the flesh. The King James says it was God that was manifest. That Jesus was God that was manifest in the flesh. Amen. Amen. These modern versions are trying to steal our doctrines away from us. The devil wants you to question the Word of God. He's not scared the about that. He's not scared of the fact that you have it, as long as you do not know how to use it. As long as it very seldom ever comes up in your life. Here, he wants us to doubt the Word of God. Uh, she uh, may have added. Uh, Eve here may have added to the Bible out of an abundance of trying to go the extra mile just in case she didn't get what God completely said right and she might have uh, she might is might be trying to be too conservative rather than too loose but she's still changing the word of God and God's word is not meant to be changed that is the heart behind all modern versions of the Bible uh, taking one sort the, the one source of truth that we have and corrupting it even in small areas allows the devil to do like he always does subtly 
really come in to a person's life and when they least expect it cause them to doubt at the Bible that they have in their hand and causes them to be led toward sinful behavior. Here we find the devil is not bothered by the misquoting of God in Eve. And he is, he is okay with these so-called Bible versions that misquote God as well. I'll say this and I'll be done. That's the reason, church. There's so much more I could say. I'm not going to take the time to do it. That's the reason why you never hear someone say they're NIV only. They're New American Standard only. They're ESV only. What do they say? They're all the same. But then when you start talking about how much you love your King James Bible, all of the ones that say they're all the same, now they have a problem with you. And they actively, they're not trying to get anyone. And a New American Standard favorite guy is not trying to get an NIV guy to come off of their NIV. But you and I that believe a King James Bible, they are actively trying, so-called Bible believers are actively trying to get us to come away from this old book that God has given for you and I. Why? Because it is God's Word. Amen. It is the truth of God. And the devil is okay with the Bible being present as long as it's being misquoted. All those other ones have additions. All of those other ones have subtractions. All of those other, they're not versions of the Bible. They're perversions of the Bible. Amen. They've been corrupted and the devil doesn't fight those. The devil doesn't, inf doesn't try to subtly come in and whisper into some pastor's ear. Amen. And by the way, Brother Tommy, I loved what you said this morning. You didn't even know I was listening, but I loved what you said this morning when you said that so many people, uh, that when they're drawn away from the things of God, it is a preacher that leaves them away. Somebody they're trusting to feed them spiritual truth. And the devil has whispered into that preacher's ear in some, in some uh, Bible-denying, Christ-hating uh, Christ seminary somewhere that they put intellect over faith and over, uh, they, put, they put studies over the Word of God and over the Scriptures. And the devil at seminary whispered in some good young man of God's heart that started right and had a heart for God until he got to Bible college and had uh, the devil whisper in his ear, saying, you can't trust that book you have in your hands. That King James is an old fogey book. And they'll say, you've got to have something more modern to reach the world. They, the world can't understand the these and the vows and the, and the, the King James language. We, or they'll say, we don't talk like that anymore. I've told you before, it is a historical fact. No human being has ever spoken like that. It was a language meant for literature only. Even their own defenses make no sense. And this is the intelligentsia. These are those with many letters after their name, with multiple doctrines after their name, that have had the devil whisper in their ear saying, you can't believe that book. You, you want to know this? When I, was, when I was a young man, I don't even know if I was a teenager yet. I guess I had to be probably about 13 or 14 years of age. By the, about 14 years of age when God settled in my heart that I was going to be King James only. I wasn't raised King James only. I can show you an NIV Bible I have in my office that has little kid notes in it from when I was a child. You know what that means, Brother Kevin? I'm not proud of this. It meant I read it and I studied it. And I tried to get something out of it because I was told it was a good one to have as a child. Now God worked this in my heart. That, you say, preacher, why are you so King James only? Because somebody taught it to you? No. I, I heard of the issue and I studied it for myself as a teenage boy. Just barely a teenage boy. You can't get me to come off of it if you tried. Because I didn't start the way some of you started. I started with it. I, the first Bible to ever come in my hands with a King James. And thank God the Bible I've preached out of all these years has been a King James. But I've had others come in my hand through the years. I've sat and listened to people in church preach out of other versions of the Bible. And I'll tell you this, uh, Freya, that when it comes to this King James Bible, I have learned in life that it is the only one that is attacked. That's 
When I was, Brother Gary, I was smart enough at 14 to be able to pick up on the fact that the one that everybody seems to hate probably is the right one. If, if the lost crowd's against it and the liberal crowd's against it and everyone in between is against it, then that probably means there's something right about it for them to hate. It doesn't happen with anything else. Why? The devil is against truth. The devil doesn't fight against additions. He doesn't fight against subtractions. He only fights against the unadulterated truth. You know what Bible he's fighting against in the English language? This one. So I say this, thank God, this is, I gave you the title for the message at the start, made it up this morning as we went along. I love my Bible, and the devil doesn't. Remember, the devil hates that book you've got in your hand. And if you ever hear someone telling you to come off of it and to, to, to dial back on your wholehearted belief in it and stance on it and obedience to it, you realize this, that it's not from God. It's from the devil. The Bible says God's not the author of confusion. The main defense of that crowd is we cannot have a perfect Word of God. We don't know what verses are in the Word of God. Here's what they'll say. A lot of the preachers will say, Brother Lewis, you mentioned some of this yesterday. It's one of the things that Rick Warren said that he does when he prepares to study to preach. He'll lay out about seven or eight of them. And he'll read all of them. And he'll see how they intersect. And when they all agree together, that's where the truth is found. Aren't you glad we don't have to do that to find the Word of God? You know what that is, Brother Daniel? It's confusion. That's confusion. God's not the author of confusion. My Bible tells me what God said, and it tells me straight, and it's not missing pieces. It's not missing doctrines. It's all in there. I love my Bible, but the devil doesn't. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's stand across the building this, this evening for a time of invitation. Thank you so much for listening to me as I preach the, tonight. hope something that was said was a help tonight. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. <laughs>